The story of the Good Samaritan is one of the most familiar parables of Jesus. And while parts of our Bible are not well known in general society today, we even have some states with Good Samaritan laws, which are named after this scripture passage. Our familiarity with this story easily encourages us to approach this parable as if we already know what it has to offer. And as a result, we end up missing what we don't expect to find. Instead, let us look at this scripture again and listen for what it has to teach us today. The story starts with a question. Jesus is teaching, and a religious lawyer, yes, there are religious lawyers, a religious lawyer stands up and asks Jesus a religious question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus does what Jesus usually does when he's asked a question. He answers the question with another question. In answer to the lawyer's first question, Jesus responds with not one, but two questions. What is written in the law, and what does it say? And this lawyer, who knew the religious law very well, easily responds to Jesus' question by quoting the law of Moses, the law of the Torah, which are the first five books of what we call the Old Testament, The scripture verses that we sang about last week and I preached on when we started our Art of Neighboring worship series, the lawyer says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's right, we know that. And Jesus responds, this is the correct answer. Go and do this. What Jesus means is that by loving God and loving our neighbors, the man will inherit eternal life. It all seems neat and tidy and expected, doesn't it? But then, the lawyer asks Jesus another question. And here, the story as recorded in the scriptures includes the voice of the narrator, The narrator gives us, the readers and hearers of the scripture, a clue to the mindset of the lawyer. The next sentence in the passage starts with these words, wanting to justify himself, or as Melanie read earlier, wanting to prove that he was right. Wanting to justify himself, the lawyer asks Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now, this narrative clue is very important because it tells us that the lawyer's second question, seemingly about the neighbor, was really a question to justify himself and whether or not he was doing what was needed to get into eternity. Just checking, Jesus, can you clarify it for me so I can inherit eternal life? Who really is my neighbor? This time, Jesus doesn't answer with a question, but rather he tells a story. And you know the story. 
A Jewish man was traveling the 20 miles or so between the cities of Jerusalem and Jericho, and while he was walking, he was attacked by robbers, a common thing in Jesus' day. The robbers not only robbed the man, they also stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up, and they left him half dead by the side of the road. A priest came along, but when he saw the man... He crossed over to the other side of the road. And a temple assistant also came along. And after he saw the man, he also chose to pass by on the other side of the road. And then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Or some translations of the Bible say mercy He did first aid. He put him on his own donkey, a first-century ambulance, taking him to a nearby inn and taking care of him. And the next day, this despised Samaritan takes out his first-century credit card and tells the innkeeper to charge it, paying the bill in full for whatever was needed to care for this Jewish man. That's the end of the story. And for the people hearing it in Jesus' day, they were shocked. They were stunned by the story because Samaritans and Jews hated each other. It would be like today, Israelis and Palestinians, or like one of us with a member of Al-Qaeda or the Taliban. Think of yourself for a moment as the person on the side of the road in this story and ask yourself this question. Is there anyone from any group about whom you would rather die than acknowledge? Or ask yourself, is there any group whose members might rather die than help you? This gives you the modern equivalent for the Samaritans in this story. And with this in mind, we've usually decided that this parable is about the fact that our neighbor is the beaten man on the side of the road, and we're called to help him. Remember that the lawyer's question was, who really is my neighbor? And yet, Jesus is not done with the surprises of this story. Jesus now asks another question. He turns to the lawyer and he says, which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? We thought Jesus was going to answer the lawyer's question, who really is my neighbor? Instead, Jesus asks a completely different question. Which of these, the priest, the temple assistant, or the despised Samaritan, do you think was a neighbor to the man in the ditch. Jesus' question, shockingly, turns the lawyer's question completely around, 180 degrees. The lawyer is no longer the subject, and the neighbor is no longer the object to be acted upon. Instead, the point Jesus makes to the lawyer and to all of us is this. Like the Samaritan... We are a neighbor 
when we respond with compassion for and with others. We are a neighbor when we respond with compassion for and with others. So the point is that we are called to be compassionate neighbors. We usually focus the interpretations of this story on the lack of compassion of those religious leaders who walked on the other side of the road. And sometimes we extrapolate an easy moralism of this passage to say, go and identify whom you consider to be a needy neighbor and help them. Instead, Jesus asks us to go and be a neighbor. And to do so with compassion, the compassion of the despised Samaritan in this story. Wow. Wow, that's a lot to ask of us. Jesus is calling us to be the compassionate neighbor who, as a result of compassion, is driven to respond. Compassion is the key ingredient in this entire passage. And it means we are giving up control because we're no longer the subject of the sentence or the story. Instead, Jesus is calling us to open up and be vulnerable to the change that compassion creates in us. It's not simply about helping people in need. Instead, Jesus is calling us to journey into the compassion of God and respond in ways that are directed not by us, but by God's spirit. To love God is to love neighbor is to love God. One biblical commentator puts it this way, the ongoing flow of love allows eternal life to begin even now, as this parable confirms. The story, this story, is a scriptural GPS routing us in the only direction God desires, the way of love, the way of compassion for others. This is more than a parable about being a helpful stranger. It's about transforming the transforming power of God at work in those who travel the dangerous roads of our world, moving us into the fullness of life, eternal life, here and now. Which of these do you think was neighbor to the man on the side of the road? Like the lawyer, we know the correct answer. And Jesus says, go. And do likewise. In a true story recorded from a few years ago, a 12 year old Palestinian boy, Ahmed Khatib, had been shot and killed by Israeli soldiers during street fighting near his house in Jenin on the West Bank. The boy had been holding a toy gun. He was taken to an Israeli hospital where he died. After two days, his parents made the decision to allow his organs to be harvested for transplant to Israelis. Six people received his heart, his lungs, and his kidneys, including a two-month-old infant. His mother, Abla, said, My son has died. Maybe... He can give life to others. 
Maybe he can give life to others. These parents made their own journey into the compassion of God and were living eternal life here and now. This is the way God calls us to be a neighbor. Last month, when it was announced that we were doing this Art of Neighboring series, several of you mentioned to me how you have neighbors who are difficult to love. Neighbors who are not easy to have compassion for and with. They play loud music until the wee hours of the morning, you told me. Or they complain about your garden. Or they even call the city officials on you. Or they post nasty signs about you. Or they say unkind things about you on social media. How do we love these neighbors, you asked me? How does Jesus call us to respond? It is about our journey into the compassion of God. Hear these words from Jesus from chapter 6 of Luke's Gospel, just four chapters before this story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus talks about revenge and grudge-holding and settling the score. Jesus says, my way is a way of compassion. Hear these words from the sixth chapter of Luke. Jesus is speaking. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer your other one as well. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt as well. Give to everyone who asks, and don't demand things back from those who take them from you. Treat people the same way that you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, why should you be commended? Even sinners love those who love them. If you love those who do good to you, why should you be commended? Even sinners do that. Instead, Jesus says, love your enemies. Do good and lend expecting nothing in return. If you do this, you will have great reward because you will be acting in a way that the children of the Most High act. Be compassionate, just as God is compassionate. Jesus calls us to the journey of compassion, to enter into the place where our hearts receive this message from God, and we respond in the way of the compassionate Samaritan, acting in the way that the children of God act. We are called to be compassionate neighbors with everyone. Why? Because this is how Jesus loves us. Jesus has compassion with us, and that includes forgiveness of our shortcomings. And for the times when we are difficult to live with, the bottom line is that eternal life is about love. Compassionate love that transforms everyone including us. So we're called to build relationships with our neighbors, the ones who are easy to love and the ones who are not. This is the way we act as Christians. So maybe 
You bring that neighbor who plays the loud music at 1 a.m. a flower from your garden. Maybe you sit and listen to their story. And maybe we are all transformed by that kind of love and compassion. I close this sermon today with a song called Wild World, written by a group called Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors. Our own Jim Alberry is going to play the song for us. The lyrics remind us of this. Love is all we have to give away. Try a little tenderness, some benefit of the doubt, another person's point of view. Try to listen, not to shout. Hold your opinions loosely. Maybe you're not always right. Show a little mercy. Hold on to love real tight. Love is all we have to give away. Because in the end, a neighbor is the one who shows compassion and mercy. Go and do likewise. Amen.